0: Are you ready?
1: Yeah, I'm good to go.
0: Excellent. Thank you for joining us on The Change Artist, where we bring our listeners stories and great advice for leading and following through change from business leaders who are making a difference in their organizations. Here on The Change Artist, our motto is if change is the only constant in life, then let's do it better. And this season, we're focusing specifically on data driven leadership and the change required to realize the promise of the data driven organization. So let's jump right in. Alex, how do you define data-driven leadership?
1: Yeah, I've been thinking about this uh, question over the last week, and I think I would break data-driven leadership up into two different groups. One would be as a data scientist, which is what I am, certain leadership traits they have, and then also data-driven leadership from a business person who is not as familiar with, with data. So the, the easy one is being a data-driven leader as a data scientist, I'd say like at a mid-level. One is, is continuing education. There is so much to learn. There's news coming out in the last week about updated AI with warnings that it is has has a conscience, which is, is not true. But there's all this technology that's able to generate images and text, and there's new methods. So it's my job to be able to understand those and implement them when necessary to support my business. The other part of of being a leader, I think, is empathy, because at my role, I work with data scientists doing technical tasks, but also have to communicate what I'm doing up to people who are um, not trained in data science. So it, it takes a lot of empathy, I think, to understand that this stuff is challenging and that you need to try your best to explain it in a way that makes sense. And then on the business side, that one's a little <laughs> harder because every business person, I think, says that they're data-driven. Actually, I actually have a, a survey result. This is from 2019 that 98% of people of, of these executives agree that data skills are important. It's like, of, of course, they say yes. But then in the boardroom, you kind of wonder how much they bring that to life. Are they asking the right questions? Are they learning themselves So when I think of a data-driven business leader, I'm thinking of someone who is diving in, maybe not to learn the technical details, but at least to understand the themes that are going on throughout the industry, and also how to be a very healthy skeptic of of some data claims that are made out, out there as well.
0: That's great. Now, for those of you who don't know him, Alex Goodman is a data scientist, corporate trainer, and accredited professional statistician. And author of the book becoming a data head how to think speak and understand data science statistics and machine learning so i want to get back to your comment and dig in a little bit you know you talk about to be a truly data-driven business leader you need to have a healthy skepticism talk to me about that skepticism talk to me about i mean other episodes we've talked about sort of what it takes to do safe data science, right? Talk to me about that skepticism and what you think business leaders need to be aware of as they think about using data effectively.
1: I I think one thing leaders need to be aware of, certainly as you go higher and higher in a company, is that people want to tell you good news. They want to share, uh, filter out the bad and polish everything to make it more palatable. And people need to recognize that bias. There's almost a a bias as good news filters to the top. I mean, obviously bad news can, but here's an example. If as a business leader, you hear from someone on your team, business is up 10%. That sounds great. Uh, But later as a business leader, you might hear that competition is up 20%. So you got to have context and be able to have that skepticism that people want to tell you good news and you have to get the, the whole picture of what's going on. And a lot of that is in the book, we talk about arguing with the data because new methods are coming out on how to analyze the data, but everything is rooted in a table of information in a data set. And that's where even if you don't have a stats background, you can start to ask uh, intelligent questions like, what data is missing here? So in that example, you know, what is my competition doing? How am I doing relative to my peers? So that's really important for a data driven leader. Business leaders are sold promises of data. IBM Watson was one that was sold as a solution that's going to take over, it's going to help doctors not take over doctors, but help them make diagnosis to patients. And it never quite worked. And some skepticism would have been helpful there before companies spent tens of millions of dollars figuring out this very expensive failure. Um, Another one in terms of safe data science is a specific example coming out of COVID, another hospital example, but people were trying to use machine learning by scanning x-rays and predicting if someone had COVID or not based on the x-rays. And as a, a leader or, you know, a doctor in this case, you have to start questioning the data, like what data am I looking at? And it turns out like the, machine learning model they were building was not discriminating between COVID and non-COVID. It was telling the difference between kids and adults, or if a patient was lying down or sitting up, because if someone's lying down, they're more likely to have COVID. So really having context for the data that uh, ultimately led to the decision that's being put in front of a business professional.
0: Sure. But yeah, I like that idea of get the results, get their data for your results, but also get the data for the context, that the results are meaningful only in context. And there's data for that too. And if you're not getting that context, contextual data, you're either being, you may be being misled or you just don't have a full picture. You really can't make effective decisions if you don't understand the contextual data in addition to the targeted data that you're looking for. Now, as a data scientist, how should you be thinking about and how should our listeners be thinking about communicating effectively with business leaders who perhaps are not in the weeds with data science techniques. They're not in the weeds with data science terminology and language and perhaps are intimidated by it. You know, how do we think about doing that communication effectively so that we're driving to conversations about insights as opposed to getting lost in the math?
1: I, I do think it's tough and it's something I, that's a lot about what our book is about, but it's also not a complete finished story. This is going to be an evolution on data scientists, I think, to continue to try to understand how to explain what we do a little better. At the start of the podcast, I mentioned empathy. So it's understanding what the business person already knows, if that's possible, sometimes it's not. And then using effective analogies is always a good way to start. When I explain a lot of machine learning, the first thing I'll do is find machine learning that people have in their everyday life already. For example, a lot of people are familiar with Zillow, the estimate of how well your house will sell and people can conceptually understand that you have the specs of your house and it learns from all of the other houses that have sold and it makes a prediction. And that idea alone can start to build someone's understanding of a model and the quality of data that underlines that model, when you think of a model as a calculator, where in the Zillow example, you type in number of bedrooms, bathrooms, square footage. If you have a swimming pool and you get a number, having that concept as a model, as a calculator helps because someone's like, okay, this is very specific. It took data to train and they don't need to know random forests or XGBoost or the algorithms that actually built that calculator to start to understand and have some ideas about how to uh, interrogate it a little bit.
0: And what's the biggest mistake that people make when, from a data science side, they're trying to communicate with business leaders? Like, what do you see as the most frequent source or cause of a breakdown in that communication?
1: I think it's jumping into the techno babble right away. I, I've done that in the past, I've done it a lot. And then I may still do it sometimes, but I've tried to talk myself out of that because when you're presenting in front of people who aren't familiar, With this type of language, it's it's a progression that you have to walk through. You don't want to come out of the gate firing with how you built your algorithm and talking about very statistical measures of accuracy, like precision and recall are terms that we might use. So we need to start in the language of the business, communicate and make it clear that we have a full grasp of the problem and why it's important to the business person, and then... Um, Also communicate the results in a way that are actionable. If they ask, then you can start, You know, as I hope they would, you can start talking about some of the technical details using analogies. But I think it's more of a a crescendo to the technical details as opposed to coming out of the gate with, I built a supervised learning model and it had an area under the curve of XYZ because by that point, you've lost them. So you got to flip the script a little bit.
0: Yeah. I find myself, because I'm not a data scientist, I sit more on the business side, but a lot of times we hear consultants use flashy language around data science, and it almost seems magical what they're describing. And clearly it's not magical. It's just sort of beyond my technical level of expertise. But how as business people do we start to, because consultants are selling us things, right? How do we as business people effectively interrogate? some of these assertions around things that data science can and can't do and push back or validate proposals that we're getting either from inside our company or from outside to make sure that we're investing effectively in data science to get the most out of our investment.
1: Yes, because what I I just talked about not leading off with the technobabble and I'm coming at it from an employee within an organization talking to my own leadership where we're on the same team. You're absolutely right that consultants flip the script because they want to come in and dazzle the room. And there's almost a fear of missing out. I think that's part of the consultant's tactic. They'll drop in deep learning, natural language processing AI, like your competitors are doing it. Are you doing it? So uh, your question is a great one because business people, non-data scientists need to be able to understand what's real versus hype. And, An immediate thing you could do is, if you have a resource, a data scientist, is bring them along. Bring someone in that room who is on your team who can do the interrogation for you. The better solution, longer-term solution, and this is even something that we call out in our book, is doing some education and learning about hype versus reality. So business professionals need a baseline understanding of data science in order to challenge some of these claims and separate magic. My whole theme, I guess, is like this continuing education on both parts because the field is growing. We need to understand what's going on. And, you know, in your case, protect yourselves from consultants who may be selling a pie-in-the-sky vision. That's not quite possible yet.
0: Sure. So then in the interest of educating ourselves, when I hear consultants say, we can use AI to solve this problem, right? So what do they mean?
1: I, I do cringe when I hear we're going to have AI help us because there's a couple things to unpack here. One is it makes it sound like AI is this single entity that is just becoming smarter at doing multiple tasks, So, you're going to have AI help your company. It's going to do accounting, it's going to do shipments, distribution, uh, production. It seems like there's a single entity that's just getting smarter and smarter, like a brain. So, the first thing to understand is that that doesn't exist, and that's not how it works at all. So, when you think of AI, I like to just throw out the term AI and immediately jump to machine learning. And what's the benefit of swapping one term with the other? Well, machine learning has more rigid definitions because machine learning is using an algorithm to learn from data to do a very specific task. So if someone says they're gonna bring AI into accounting, what they're gonna do is collect accounting data that you have, and they're gonna build a model on it, back to the Zillow example, to make some prediction. That's all they're doing. It's a very narrow task. I don't wanna say that's all they're doing to diminish the value that that can bring, because it certainly can bring value. But it's not building an intelligent system as much as bringing in efficiency to work that you've done in the past. I'll go back to the housing example. But when you have all these inputs, which may be the housing features, and then an output, you're just trying to make a calculator that will take those inputs and make a prediction for new combinations of inputs. That's what they mean by AI. They just mean they're going to build a model on it. And they're going to use your data to do it. So then you start to think, is this data even accurate? Because every company's data is... A mess.
0: (laughs) So, if there was one investment that you could make as a business leader in data science, machine learning, AI, or not AI, we're not going to use that language, right? What would it be? What is, from your perspective, the next step in maturity that you see most organizations needing to make to effectively take advantage of what's available in the marketplace?
1: I think the biggest investment is education and also changing people's work plans to prioritize that education. Because as much as people should be skeptical of some of these claims, it's real. Uh, there are so many use cases where businesses are finding value out of data science. That's, that's my job, is to help businesses find that value. And if I was a business leader, I would want my entire team to maybe not know all the technical details, but at least to start to build an awareness of what's possible With data science, when is it appropriate to apply uh, and build a machine learning model versus when is it not? That piece alone would be great because the business people are on the front lines to know, you know, this may be a machine learning problem. This may be, this one's not. And once that happens, you know, people can get to work on this problem much sooner. So I, I think the investment would be training. And then maybe one that's more tactical here is acquiring good data assets, because not every company has data to answer the questions that they want. So they often have to purchase or run experiments in order to collect data. So data acquisition as a whole is, is obviously very important because you can't do data science without data.
0: So one of the themes that we've heard a number of times on previous episodes with previous guests is that you don't necessarily need all the data to make good data-driven decisions, that there are experiments that you can run with partial data, that there are conclusions, reliable conclusions that you can arrive at without having every piece of data 100% clean. What's your perspective on the right risk attitude toward the comprehensiveness of your data and the cleanliness of your data as we're thinking about making data-driven decisions?
1: That's certainly true. I agree that you don't need to have all of the data because you never will. The entire foundation of statistics is built on that premise that you will have a sample. And from that sample, you can make an inference about the population that it came from. But in terms of risk, the thing you want to be sure of is that the data you do have is representative of the larger population that you're making a decision on. So, so the key and the risk is really interrogating the data you have. I don't want to say the size so much because there's been a lot, lot of false promises about big data. You need to have data that is representative of the, the population you care about.
0: Sure, that makes sense. We like to close episodes with asking what our listeners can do as individuals to more deeply embed data-driven insights into their work and the decisions that they're part of. I think your answer is get smart on the data and get smart on data science. How would you recommend people go about doing that?
1: Well, my obvious answer here is gonna be to take a look at my book, Becoming a Data Head. I also hope people are a little skeptical of that because I, I do think our book will help, but I'm not in no way saying it's the only resource available. I think it is a great start. So grabbing a book that you can finish Whether it's my book or someone else's book on data science is where you need to start. The problem that I see is when people want to educate themselves is they get analysis paralysis because you could go down one of 100 different paths. And on each path, you could take one of a thousand different courses. So people don't do anything. The thing is to just start, whether it's with my book, whether it's with another data science for business book, but just start learning and reading about this field so that you can start to have these informed conversations.
0: I love this idea of just take the first step. It might not even be the best first step, but it's certainly better than where you are today. Well, thank you, Alex. I know I've learned a lot today. I'm sure our listeners have as well, and we'll be sure to include the Amazon link to your book in the show notes so people can check that out. Thanks, Alyssa. I really appreciate your time and perspectives here. And hopefully our listeners can take your advice and apply it to their own teams. Now, if any of our listeners would like to bring these kinds of conversations to their own organizations, they can visit us at blueswiftconsulting.com to schedule an intro call. Thanks again, Alex. Thank
1: you for having me.